So um, we're going to look today at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. This is actually what Gracie did the message on just two weeks ago for Resurrection Sunday. But, you know, resurrection isn't just for one day out of a year. Resurrection is for every day. So, um, and I've been going through this because of Gracie. I've been going through this in the jail. Uh, I was inspired to in my jail visitations to kind of go through uh, Matthew 28. And I think there's just so much there and more to dig into. So uh, I want us to revisit the story, but also look at it from a different angle and look at some different aspects of it. So it will be totally different today, um, although it's the same story as a couple weeks ago. So this is the Gospel of Matthew 28. And Gospel means the good news. So this uh, title, the title for this message is Who's Good News? Who's good news? And I want us to be asking that question as we read through this story. Who is this good news for? So the story starts with Mary Magdalene and another woman also named Mary who are in a graveyard. They're in a cemetery and they're there to visit Jesus' tomb. So Jesus was their friend, someone that they knew. They were not just paying their respects to Jesus, but they wanted to look at him again or remember those memories with him and probably to cry and to grieve for this tragic loss. And then suddenly an angel appears and the stone is rolled back, the stone that held Jesus' in, Jesus's body in before. And the guards shake in their boots and they drop to the ground like possums. And it says that they were like dead men. So not literally, but they're just, you know, passed out. So let's stop here for a moment. Why are the guards there? Why are the guards there in the first place? Well, just before this, in Matthew chapter 27, uh, if you look at it, it's verse 64, uh, the guards, uh, or sorry, the religious elites, these authorities in the religious world are going up to Pontius Pilate, who is the Roman governor there, and they ask for him to put soldiers, these guards, out to guard Jesus' body from the followers of Jesus so that they won't um, it says, command the tomb to be made secure until the third day, otherwise his disciples may go and steal him away. And tell the people he has been raised from the dead. So they don't want that to happen. The guards were there to protect Jesus' followers from taking his body. And it's kind of interesting when you think about it, Jesus was incarcerated right before his death. But in some ways, even Jesus' body after death is incarcerated. He's He's locked up in this tomb, and he's denied uh, personal visitations. And I think this indicates something really important, that these religious leaders and these people in government, these, these authorities, they knew that the lives of people, the lives of these people that they were suppressing and controlling, that they, these lives have power. They knew that not even death can take away the power of an individual's life. And they understand that people have power even after death. So I think we also see this today. Look at how the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, among so many others, and these were deaths one year ago, continue to inspire people to hope and fight for justice today. And right now we're awaiting the verdict of the trial for the officer who um, sat on uh, kneeled on George Floyd's neck for nine and a half minutes. And even in 
the midst of waiting for that, there are people taking to the streets again and speaking out against the tragic um, and unjustified deaths of Adam Toledo and uh, Dante Wright. Um, the power of these lives, the power of these lives springs up. It springs up in the people and reaches out even beyond those rose-covered graves. Now, these authorities in this story who killed Jesus don't see the power of God at work in Jesus. If they saw God in Jesus, how could they have killed him? They don't believe he will be raised from the dead, but at least they know that Jesus has followers, and these followers care about Jesus' life. And so these followers have power, and so these authorities are afraid. So these may have been two ordinary Marys in their own communities, but in the minds of these authorities, these women have power. Why else would they post up soldiers and a stone to stop them from visiting Jesus' tomb? So this fear of the power of the people, the power of Jesus' followers, the power of these two women and all the others, this fear is why the guards are posted there. And the angel of the Lord goes to prove this. The angel, this messenger of the Lord, says, Do not be afraid. Who is the angel talking to? Those macho guards, they're on the floor in the fetal position while these two women who were grieving and are grieving the tragic death of a friend are somehow still on their feet and ready for action. These women are brave. These women are powerful. The angel might be saying, do not be afraid more to encourage their saddened hearts than to try and not startle them too much. Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised. As he said, go quickly and tell his disciples. What must have been going through the woman's mind then, these Mary's mind? Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive? Jesus is alive! And understandably, they run quickly, full of fear and great joy. The shock of this news must have seemed too good to be true. This is good news for these women. And then the good news gets even better. This is not just news. This is real. This is really happening. Jesus greets them, and they cannot contain their joy. Now they fall to the ground and worship him, grabbing onto his feet. And Jesus encourages them, saying, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so these women have not only heard the good news, they have seen the good news. They have felt the good news. And I imagine that they were the first to to feel the nail-sized holes in his feet and the first to know that this was truly good news. Let's pause again here. Where are the guards? Does Jesus appear to the guards? Jesus is only appearing to the woman. Jesus only appears to Mary and the other Mary. Jesus is totally comfortable meeting people in a place of grief and mourning, a cemetery. And Jesus chooses exactly who he will meet there, those who are grieving and mourning. Jesus chooses to meet the woman and not the guards. 
So still, where are the guards? What is their news? So if you keep on going in chapter 28, um, while the two Marys left to tell the other disciples the really good news, the guards went into the city and told the religious authorities all that they had experienced. So there was this being from the sky and he rolled away the tombstone and the grave was empty and the angel said that Jesus was alive. It was the weirdest thing. So maybe they were actually excited about the possibility of God doing such a thing. Or maybe they were just freaked out of their minds or maybe they wanted their superiors to not accuse them of slacking on the job. There's a whole host of reasons and ideas um, for why the guards might want to share the story to the chief priests, these religious leaders. But whatever the reason for telling the chief priests this news, they have no problem telling a cover-up story in exchange for some cash. So a cover-up story to exchange the good news for another sort of news. The funny thing is this cover-up story is the exact news headline, which is now a fake news headline that they were trying to avoid, that these religious authorities didn't want on the newspaper. You must say, in verse 13, you must say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. So that's exact opposite of, uh, or the exact headline that they didn't want. And now that is their fake news story. So why do the guards take the money? Why do they choose the fake news headline rather than the good news headline? Think that maybe the guards take the money and go with this other news because they're still serving the powers of this world. There is a conflict of interest for them. They have seen the power of God, but they still want to do things for their own selfish power. The news of Jesus is not good news and will not be good news for them until they realize the powers of this world are ultimately defeated. They rally around fear rather than love and seek power for themselves rather than power for all. But it is precisely because they are ultimately defeated, these worldly powers, that these worldly powers have to maintain their control through lies. Jesus does not appear to the guards in the authorities after the resurrection. He does not go out of his way to include them as witnesses to the good news. Instead, Jesus shows exactly who his people are. Jesus chooses Mary and Mary, the 11 disciples, and others who already called him friend before he was put to death. And who were these friends? Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons cast out of her, perhaps in need of some compassion, compassionate understanding for her suffered traumas. Fishermen, who were sometimes down on their luck and in need of a miraculous catch. Matthew, the tax collector, who was hated as a traitor and rejected by his own community. Jesus's friends were people who were acquainted with suffering and knew hardship firsthand. These are the people Jesus chooses. This is who Jesus identifies with. These are Jesus's people, his friends. And I don't use this word very often, but these are his homies. This is who Jesus chooses. 
Jesus called these people to be his friends, and now they are eyewitnesses of the best news yet. Jesus is alive. Maybe Jesus chooses these exact people because these people who have known the hard things of life are exactly who the good news is for. They are the keepers of the good news. They're the ones who truly know its power. And we see this power at work today. It is in the power of people who know suffering but refuse to let death-dealing worldly powers have the last word. It is good news for those who mourn Dante Wright and Adam Toledo's deaths and declare that black and brown lives matter. It is good news for those who grieve ongoing racism and violence against Asian Americans and the recent deaths of women in Atlanta. It is good news for those who honor the lives of missing and murdered indigenous women by bringing attention to their injustices. And it is good news for those who suffer beside us. The good news is powerful because we know that God is with those who suffer. God is for life-giving power. And we have proof of this in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus that even death will not have the final word, but instead the power of life will. Let's pray. Jesus, call us to action and call us to rest and pour out your Holy Spirit on us so that we can rest in your presence and also act in sharing your good news and being your good news. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.